The following is a message from Pastor Kelly Hewitt and Live It, a ministry of St. Marcus. For more information or for message notes, go to www.liveitmke.org. This entire series that we're going through is one that is very specifically aimed for those who are Christians. There are times that we have teaching series that aim at how does the Scripture apply to those who are Christians, and then how do we help others understand it. But as we take a look at the series that we're going through right now of baggage, we're really looking through it very closely through the lens of one who is a Christian, one who believes in Jesus, but through the lens that Satan uses some of these things. And so as you're filling in the blanks, you may have your bulletin open, and you're going to fill in that first blank. As we talk about what is baggage, we're talking about baggage is the lie. Go ahead and put it up there. Baggage is listening to the lies that Satan tells us to snatch us from Jesus. Baggage is listening to the lies. You know, we all hear different things at different times. But when it becomes baggage is when we start picking it up. When we say, yeah, Satan, that's right. And he starts whispering in our ears. And his whole goal is that he uses this different baggage to weigh us down so heavy that we can't see or hear Jesus' voice. And so by doing so, he quietly pulls us away. And that's the way Satan loves to work. As the father of lies, as the father of deceit, he loves to not work through the obvious. We always know, hey, that's an obvious thing. His favorite thing is the little whispers of doubt. If you go to Genesis and you read in chapter 3, you hear, what was his first thing? It wasn't God's wrong. What was his first thing to, to Eve? Did God really say? He just whispered the thought that blossomed and brought forth pain. Some of the baggage we've talked about is the baggage of worthlessness. We kicked off the series with that. Go ahead and put it up there. That idea that I don't fit in. These are the whispers that he whispers. You don't quite fit in. You, you, you're not quite good enough. You know, there's that popular crowd, and guess what? You're not in it. And then he whispers a little bit more that leads you to the thought, I'm not worthy. Nobody really cares. It's not anything about me. And so he gets you distracted. The thing about this baggage is he's never happy with you carrying one piece of luggage. It's like going on a trip. One suitcase will never do. You always have to have two or three. Satan likes to pile that up. So when you go to zip the baggage closed of worthlessness and shove it off and say, Jesus is handling this one, he, he, all of a sudden he starts whispering, you're out of power. You have no control. You have see it up there. You have this anxious and fearful feeling, this idea that God can't handle it. And that's where Satan likes to whisper and get you off track is that he gets you so far down that track of you're out of control. You're not valued at your workplace. You're not valued within your family. The situation you're in is so out of control. Just despair and have anxiety. And then he gets to this last one that we're talking about tonight. And he likes to just keep these on so that when you get rid of one and you've checked one and you said, God, you're handling this one, it's like Satan just walks in with the next one and starts whispering. And this is the one that, th this one underlies most of Satan's ways of dealing with you. Most of his whispers 
no one cares. No one cares about you. You think you're important, just realize no one cares. And of course, Christians were like, oh, of course Jesus cares about me. Of course I have friends. Of course I have that. But this is where Satan's whispers come in. And Satan likes to get you off track, and he, and he likes to plant that little seed. Now, somebody really doesn't care, because if they really cared about you, if that significant other really cared about you, they would have reacted blank. If so-and-so really cared about you, if they were really your friend, they wouldn't have posted this thing on Facebook about singles. When in reality, they weren't thinking anything about you. But that's the whisper Satan has in your ear. And his whispers that no one cares leads you to isolation. And so this is Satan's favorite game. If I can get you to think that no one cares about you, I can then get you to even question whether God cares. Because if God really cared, this is the lie he tells you, if God really cared about you, you wouldn't be feeling lonely. So therefore, since you feel lonely, God must not care about you. That's the way Satan likes to get you thinking. That's the way he likes to get me thinking. You see, he likes to hunt. Go ahead and put the passage up there. Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring... What, what animal? Like a roaring... Do you know how lions and wolves hunt? How do they hunt? Did you go on a safari while you were in Africa, Doc? I know you were there for a little while. They tell you how the lions hunt? Quietly, stealthily, and then what do they do? Just like wolves, they take the herd, and guess what? We'll bump this one out. We'll get this one feeling anxious, and then all of a sudden, this one will get separated from the group, and then guess what? We'll all gang up on this one. That's the way lions hunt. That's the way wolves hunt. That's the way pack animals hunt. We always have this picture of, of, of a lion attacking, but the picture that actually, if you understand how lions hunt, is this picture that it's stealthful and they, they get you so agitated that you move yourself away from people and you move yourself away from the pack, away from safety, away from everything that could protect you, and all of a sudden you're isolated. And then you become the easy target that everything pounces on. And that's when you think about baggage and you think about the way Satan likes to attack, he likes to get you isolated. So here's your next fill in the blank. Don't let Satan isolate you physically, emotionally, or spiritually. Don't let Satan isolate you physically, emotionally, or spiritually. And now tonight, some of you are sitting in this position where Satan has been getting you so anxious that he's isolating you. Some of you are sitting in this position where you have some really good friends who are in isolation. And some of you actually have parents and grandparents you see, this is one of those things that Satan likes that he doesn't keep as age-specific. Do you realize the number one struggle of people who are elderly is loneliness and isolation? That's their number one struggle. How many of you have talked to great-grandparents or grandparents who are in their 60s, 70s, 80s or more and actually see them? For us, we'll send a text and feel connected to someone. They're the generation who used to spend hours with people. So Satan has said, hey, guess what? You're, you're on the last part of your life. Guess what? I'm going to isolate you. Are we allowing isolation to happen? I, I bring this up because it's not just an age demographic. So don't let Satan isolate you physically. Brian, I'm going to go against what you just said. 
What was your favorite thing to do when you're feeling alone? Get into the guitar and go alone. Now, I'm going to come back to that because I know Brian, and part of that is that's part of his worship life. That's part of who he is as a Christian. That's how he, he worships and prays, and that's the way that he connects. So I'm not going to just say he's wrong. But that's one of Satan's favorite things, right? First, he, he gets us isolated physically. When you're feeling that loneliness time, loneliness is not a, necessarily a, a control thing. Because there there's people sitting here tonight. We're in a room full of people, and there are people who sit here feeling lonely. You can be surrounded by people physically and feel lonely. And this is where Satan puts in, and he says, physically, I'm going to have you working 80 or 90 hours right now. So that you're not seeing your family, you're not seeing your friends, you're not getting your rest. And so as a, I physically have separated you from people. Or I have you not working right now. And you're isolated and you're sitting at home while everybody else is working. And because you're not working, you don't have the money to go out and be social or everybody else is social at the bars. So he has isolated you that way. Don't let him isolate you. Don't let him isolate you emotionally. Where you're sitting there and all of a sudden all of these things happen and, and instead of talking to people and helping and getting help and, and working through this with good friends, you let him churn on you and he just churns and he just churns. It's like the smoothie cycle. After about the first second, it blends a little bit and we just got a new ninja, bullet ninja thingy. That thing shreds everything. It's phenomenal. Not that I'm a commercial person, but Wow. Like it just, it, it keeps going, it keeps going, and then as soon as it knows that everything's churned up enough, it just kicks the speed up. And that's what Satan does with you and your emotions. First he'll hit you with something, and he'll get you emotionally isolated, then he'll hit you again, and then he'll hit you again, and then all of a sudden he realizes that you're completely emotionally isolated, and then he kicks it into high gear. Just like a smoothie maker. Until he knows that you are entirely putty in his hands. There's nothing left. And in the process of all that, he's isolated you spiritually. Because guess what? You're not feeling like going to church. You're not feeling like hanging out with those Christian friends. You're not picking up the phone. You're not going to community group. And so your entire lifeline of spirituality is cut off. And then you have Satan sitting there going, I got you where I want you. Isolated and alone. There's a guy who understands that. There's a guy who was at the center of the church who was a loudmouth, who got it, but also got the idea of feeling alone. Peter. Some of you know Peter well. Some of you relate very well to Peter. You open your mouth first. You think second. Peter did that a lot. And he isolated himself a lot by doing so. And he writes to us in 1 Peter chapter 5. Go ahead and put it up there. This is what, go ahead and put it, go ahead and you can put that up there. Fill in the blank. This is what Satan whispers. No one cares, you are all alone. No one cares, you are all alone. So Peter, understanding that this is where Satan likes to get you, and that's where he had, he's also the one who wrote, hey, watch out for those lions, how Satan acts like a lion. His next co comment, here it is. This is his solution. Peter's solution for dealing with, with Satan's attack on loneliness. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Now, if you're one who's struggled with loneliness, you look at this passage and you go, I know that passage, but I still feel alone. 
Guess what? I don't think he's listening to my prayers. So you, you go back to the beginning. I want you to, you have this in your bulletins. I want you to circle the word cast. The word cast there means to hurl, to throw. So think of the javelin. It's the same word that's used of to cast a javelin, to hurl a javelin. Has anybody here a javelin thrower? One person. Awesome. Anybody else try to throw a javelin just out of fun? They, they're really hard to throw. You think, hey, I can throw this stick. It's like a football. No, they're not. This idea is to use all of your might and to cast it as far away from you as possible. It's a war-type term, to get something emphatically away from you. So he says, that's what you're supposed to do to your anxiety and your worry. The problem is Satan likes to say, say oh yeah, he, you, you've cast it away, but he really isn't listening. So that's where Satan comes back and he says, yeah, but that's not, he, he, it's like we have a tether on the arrow, or the, the javelin that we've thrown. We've thrown, we've hurled the anxiety away, and then we like to reel it back in, like a fishing line. But he says, cast it all on him because he cares for you. He cares for you. Go ahead and put it up there. God cares about me. And I'm changing it from you to me because I want you to say this with, with me. God cares about me. Say it. God. God. Now like you mean it. God cares about me. Go back to the passage if you would. This is where Satan's lies like to come in. He says, he cares about you. Cast it all on him because he cares for you. Now, we're going to list a bunch of passages because sometimes we need to have that reminder. That reminder of how, how does he care about me? How does he love me? Because right now, I'm not feeling loved. Sometimes you have it in a relationship with someone. You can say, that person says, I love you. And you look at that person and say, I don't feel loved right now. My most infamous one is my mom. I tell her I love her, and she's like, I'm not feeling loved because you've not taken out the trash, you've not cleaned your room, and you've not done anything I've told you for the last week. I love you too, but I'm not feeling your love. That's not the same situation. This is where he says to you, I want you to hear me clearly. I want you to experience this very, very specifically. Go to the, those the bullet points. Romans 5.8. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still, while we were still, Christ died for us. While you were a heaping mass of sin, while you were in the middle of swearing at him and angering him and causing him pain and grief, he says, I love you and I'm going to die for you. He didn't look at you and go, well, someday you'll be good enough that I'll love you. That's not what this says. He says, while you were still sinning, is the way that the Greek reads. While you are still sinning, I died for you. So you're going to want to write these passages down because they're not coming back. So if you want to look these up and have your own reminder this week, Romans 5.8. Go ahead and put the next one up there. For God so loved the world. So here's Christ died for us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have. God so. God cares about. Why does he care about you? Because he sent his son to die for you. 
These are such simple truths, right? We all know these answers. But these are the things that, guess what? Satan wants to block you from hearing. When he's got you carrying all this baggage, he gets you so caught up in your anxiety, so caught up in your worry, so caught up in everything, it's like having noise-canceling headphones on that you can't hear Jesus. And so Jesus is telling you very emphatically today, I love you. I care about you. Put the next one up there. Ephesians 2, 1 to 10. We're not going to put the whole section up there. I want you to just write down the reference. We're going to sing a section of this in a few moments as Koine leads us in, in objects of wrath. He says, you are dead in your sins and your transgressions. So sins, the things you don't know, the transgressions, those are, that's, that's the big fancy word for I know I'm going to cross the line and sin. I know God says I shouldn't worry, but I'm really worried about X, Y, and Z. That's a fascinating concept, right? We say God says not to worry, but I am. And then we, we mentally even say that. That's a transgression, to knowingly cross the line. To knowingly cross the line is the, I know I'm going 65, the, the government just said I can do 75, but the sign says 65. It's breaking the law, and you knowingly breaking the law to cross 65. That's a transgression. He says, while you are dead in those things, God in his mercy has made you alive in Christ. While you are dead, he has made you alive. When he saw the crowds, this is Jesus speaking, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. He was speaking of this about the Israelites, the children of Israel in Jerusalem who had a lot of religious leaders. But they were harassed and they were helpless. And so he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the Workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his field. Here's the next part that he says, I care about you, and guess what? I'm sending people to you to share this great news. Who is he talking about? Who is he sending out? Who is Jesus sending out? There were 12 of them. The disciples. This is when he was talking with the disciples and, he, and they're walking through this and, and, and I'm sending you guys out and guess what? Your job is not to just be the 12 but you're going to have to make other disciples who are going to come alongside you because there's a lot of people who need to hear this message of grace and of mercy and that God loves them and that I've gone to great lengths to die for them and so he gives us pastors and teachers and others who serve in the ministry to say, hey, God loves you. God cares for you. So when you're struggling with loneliness, you're struggling with powerlessness, you're struggling with worthlessness, you have people that you can go to to say, hey, I need some help. Satan is awfully loud right now. Deuteronomy 31. Often the times Satan is the loudest and that our sinful nature gets at us is at times of transition. Deuteronomy 31, and we're going to talk a lot about this section next week, so I'm not going to spoil too much of it. But this is the time when Moses is dying and Joshua is about to take over, so leadership change. And this is what God says. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. For some of you, you need to have that passage written in marker on your mirror. So Satan can't, so, so when you are sitting there and you're struggling, 
Or when you open your phone, maybe you need to make it as a meme on your phone and put it as your, back, your backdrop on your phone. So that every time you look at your phone, all you see is this passage, do not fear, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you. He has gone to great lengths to purchase you, to win you for himself. He's not going to let you go. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called, I want you to say these three words, that you should be called, that you should be called children of God. He loves you so desperately, he calls you his parents. He makes you his through the waters of baptism. You know, that's why when we baptize, we say in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, in, that, in baptism, it is an adoption into his family. It makes you a part of his royal line. And he says, guess what? As dad, I'm not going to let you fall. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to surround you with my love and my protection. Now, guess what? You're going to make stupid decisions. You're going to say, hey, Dad, I don't need your help right now because we're all getting that point where we hit teenage years. Some of us are past that, but we remember those years where mom and dad were idiots and they didn't know anything except for now we're on the other end for some of us and we go, man, they actually knew something. And that's where God is. He says, guess what? I'm still there even though you're acting like a fool, even though you're saying, hey, I don't want your advice. Hey, I don't want to talk to you right now. Guess what? I'm coming after you. I'm caring about you. You are my child. God has gone to great lengths to love me. He sent his son to die for me. He sent his son to experience every form of emotional pain and sorrow and everything else that I currently have experienced. He sent his son to experience that so that he would die on the cross and rise from the grave so that his perfect life counts for mine and that his resurrected life that his power now resides within me. So it's not me struggling against loneliness. It's not me struggling against worthlessness. It's not me struggling with baggage alone, but him telling me, I've got this. I've got you. You are my child, and I love you dearly. The entire rest that you have in your bulletin there, we're not going to click through it on the screen. If you can just put loneliness back or baggage up there. I put this section here, and I'm going to briefly walk you through it because this last section from, from uh, 2 Corinthians, of all the people to talk about being isolated and alone, not only does Peter understand it, but Paul gets it too. He was in prison multiple times. He spent a lot of time alone because of the gospel. And what he writes to the Corinthians here in, in uh, 2 Corinthians is this concept that this God of compassion and love sometimes allows you to deal with things Sometimes allowed him to deal with things so that you are equipped to help others who are struggling. Take a look at it real quick. I guess we'll look at it quick. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion. Underline that. The Father of compassion. And the God of all comfort. The God of all comfort. Who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. Here's where his picture is, folks. This is what he has to say for you and I. Part of being alone, part of this whole isolation thing, is he says, guess what? There's a whole family of believers around you. Sometimes you've experienced something so that you can share your struggle with somebody else and you can share what God has done in you with that person. When he says you are called to testify, he calls us to testify to 
the story of his grace in our lives. And sometimes our, our, this whole situation is that we need to hear from somebody else who struggled. We need to hear how God has graciously brought them through so that we're encouraged, so that we are brought closer to our Father because guess what? He hasn't left us alone. He's placed us in a community of believers and guess what? Other people are struggling with things too. For just as the sufferings of Christ flow over into our lives, so also through Christ our comfort overflows. If we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. God doesn't say we're going to be without suffering. The suffering is to produce patience. And our hope for you is firm. It's not this questionable hope. This is that sure hope that Jesus is going to see us through. And we know that just as you share in our suffering, so also you share in our comfort. Go ahead. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about hardships we suffer in the providence of Asia, where we, under great, we were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure. So those of you who are getting to that point where you feel nobody cares, Paul was there. He understands. He's writing as one who says, we endured stuff so far beyond what we thought was possible so that we despaired even of life. We all think Paul had it easy and that he had this great faith. To say that he despaired of life means he was so overwhelmed that he wanted, he wasn't suicidal, but he understood heaven was a lot better than what he was experiencing and he was really struggling. This is a huge confession by Paul. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves. That's the lie Satan likes to whisper. You're alone, you're feeling lonely. Guess what? It's not about you. Sometimes things are allowed into your life so that you're focused and reminded that you need to focus on the one who loves you, who, is raised, who raises the dead. And this is where there's a cutoff in your bulletin. I apologize for that. Go ahead. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us. On him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us. As you help us by your prayers, then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor granted us in answer to the prayers of many. Part of this struggle is also so that we can be seeing and praying for each other, and as we watch people's prayers be answered, we get to rejoice at how God is interacting in their lives. One of the amazing things that goes really, that fits really well, God shows his loving concern through our compassion. Thirteen months ago, I was sitting with a group of guys and gals, pastors, and one of the guys sitting there had a prayer request, and you're all going to chuckle at this. His prayer request was for a boat, and I know that seems weird, but where he lives, he is a pastor, and where he lives, fishing and hunting are a huge component of the entirety of the culture. And while there were people around him who had boats and things like that, he was actually hampered and he kept trying to use and talk with people and, and share Jesus. But one of the things kept coming up, that he wasn't part of the team because he didn't own a boat. Last week, he got a call from a woman whose husband died 250 miles away who'd heard of this prayer. And she said, I have a boat my husband used to use. But he passed away and my kids don't want it. It's yours if you can come get it. He drove down, picked up the boat. A bunch of his fishing buddies who are not Christian heard the story 
and now have planned a retreat for him to take the boat out for a week because they had heard about this prayer that was answered of his. It seems so simple, right? It seems like such a weird thing to pray for. When we're talking about loneliness, we're talking about all these different pieces of baggage. Pastor, why that story? Because that was a story for this pastor who was feeling isolated and alone, who was feeling this baggage that, guess what? There's ministry to be done and people to be reached, but I can't be doing it. The tools I need are missing. One of the tools is missing from my belt. And God provided it. And now all of these people that he'd gone fishing with, who were unchristian in the community, who knew him from the fishing store, who knew him from the different bait shops, are now actually inviting him along and they're doing tournaments and they're doing this week-long trip. And they're all glorifying God because guess what? A prayer was answered. It was a simple little prayer that you and I would go, he prayed for a boat. But his prayer wasn't just for a boat. His prayer was for ministry. His prayer was that he could reach those guys who are lonely. Because you realize guys are lonely sometimes. We just don't ever say it unless we're somewhere with another guy and it's one of those very unique settings. You see, God shows his loving concern through our compassion, through our love. If you're one who's struggling with this, reach out, talk to someone, get into the word, join a community, don't be isolated. Because you have a God who cares for you, who's loved you, who's taken care of you and will not abandon you. Tonight, if you guys want to work your way back up, Koine is going to lead us through um, our confession, our forgive us, renew us, lead us. And instead of having you stand tonight, I'm just going to let you stay seated, join along in singing. It's called Objects of Wrath, a meditation on Ephesians chapter 2. Join in. There's going to be a portion of it that's just a place for you to lay it all before Jesus. Whatever your baggage is that you've been carrying, this is your time to just lay it off, hand it off to him, and know that he has not forsaken you, that he has died for whatever it is you're struggling and he's going to carry you through. And he's going to see you as one of his children, never abandoned, never alone. Objects arrive Tied to the world Just like the rest we're spinning that we breathe the kingdoms we reach for all are killing us slowly but because of his love God who is rich in mercy made us alive though we were dead in Christ we're in love, it is by grace you have been Oh, the beatings we run to, the lies 
stray from the path This world never lasts We crave what destroys us Why can't we wait? When will we stop running to this world's prince? with us. <clears throat> but because of his love, God who is rich in mercy made us alive. Though we were dead, in Christ we're alive. It is by grace you have been saved. But because of his love, God who is rich in mercy made us alive. Though we were dead, in Christ we rely. It is by grace you have been
The faces we put on, the memories that haunt us, all are buried with Jesus Christ.